I want us to continue to look uh, into the return of Jesus, you know, and I'm just going to do a very quick recap of what we uh, looked into over the last few months. Uh, as you may not know, the vision of this church is preparing for the return of Jesus. This is really what it's all about for us. As a believers, especially in this church, we have been called to prepare for the return of Jesus. So while we look at it last time around, we uh, begin the series that has been lasting for quite a month. And we talked about seeing a changed world in that sense with many different agendas in place right now. And it, does, it adds the following question. And are, are we in the end times speaking by the prophet through the Bible and Jesus himself? So we looked into this. Most people believe that we are actually in the end time. As a matter of fact, you will find out that over the last two to three years, um, one, of the great, one of the big topics that has been in our churches as well is about the return of Jesus and everything in relation to uh, eschatology or end times in that sense. So I believe it's coming. I don't know about you, but I truly believe Jesus is coming. You know, Jesus himself, you know, likened this heaven to labor pain found in the book of Matthew 24 in that sense. And as we're heading toward the return of Jesus, we are beginning to experience more and more traumas. According to the Bible, as I mentioned it before, over the last few months, there are key events that will affect the whole world. And I'm not going to dwell to this. Today we're going to be talking a different topic in that sense. But number one, I mentioned the rapture of the church. Number two, I spoke about the invasion of Magog against Israel found in the book of Ezekiel chapter 38. Number three, the arrival and the reign of the Antichrist, also known as a beast. We will talk about it another, few, another month in the analysis of the Antichrist. Number four, series of cataclysm that will actually fall upon the earth during the time of judgment. We also, another event that we need to be aware of, or most of the people on this earth will be aware of, will witness in a time, is the battle of Armageddon. This is the final battle of mankind that we go and fought in, fight in Israel, bringing, trying to bring Jesus um, to, to, to bring, try to stop Jesus to come. And Jesus will come on this earth with all the sense and what he will do with his voice, with his word. He will stop. He will get rid of the Antichrist and everybody that has come against him and his kingdom. Then also the other event that people will experience on this earth is called the Millennium Kingdom where Jesus will establish his Millennium Kingdom for a thousand years. And number seven, which is the one that I really love, is the new earth in the new Jerusalem. When once everything is taking place, then, as we said, we will have peace. And peace in abundance. Now, all those events have been prophesied by Daniel, Ezekiel, and John. And the apostle in John saw the event take place, and he recorded it in a book of Revelation. Daniel recorded the Antichrist and a succession of different uh, government, different uh, uh, state, different kingdom, and up to the kingdom of today, the last kingdom in the book of Daniel. Ezekiel spoke a lot about the war of Gog and Magog and the arrival of the king of the north in that And So if you want to have a bit more research, I will um, kind of encourage you to look into the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel. And uh, if you want as well, we're running cell most Wednesday when we actually go deeper 
into the book of Revelation. So then I mentioned these things. All those prophecies, they were revealed to us to prepare us and to give us hope, you know. And we should use this prophecy that should motivate us to have a godly life in that sense. And then we went to look into how do we prepare for the return, for his return. And we looked, you know, over the last month, number one, we looked at faith. Then we looked at obedience and trust in the Lord. We also looked at God to be still and let God do his thing in that sense. We also looked about knowing Jesus. It's very important for us to look at Jesus. And uh, about five, six weeks ago, we begin to look into the parable of the ten virgin found in the book of Matthew 25 onwards, which it was for us to watch, prepare, and be ready. I want us to continue into this element of preparation and be ready very briefly. If you remember last time I we spoke about in Matthew 25 from verse 1 to 13 about the ten virgin. We identify that the parable, the ten, the ten version, the parable of the ten version teach us, number one, that Jesus will return. Number two, it teaches us the time of his return is unknown. You know, it's a very interesting, the word unknown here. You know, Jesus really say himself, no one know the hour and the day of, of my coming. And he also said that his coming would be like a thief in the night, which means that nobody is pretty much doesn't know when he's coming. But we are still people in a world that be try to find a time, a specific time of Jesus' return. Let me tell you this, guys. We don't know. We don't know when he's returned. And that's what Jesus teaches. He teaches that the time of his return is unknown. This is why it's important for us to be prepared and ready in season and out of season. Also, the parable teaches us that the time is unknown and it will catch many people off guard. You know, Jesus has been very clear about the importance of us to be prepared and ready because he will catch us many off guard. And he's not speaking about unbelievers. He's speaking about believers. When we look at the 10 parable of the 10 version, it's about Christians. It's about the church. And 50% of the church were wise and 50% of the church were unwise. He also teaches us that believers have to be alert and constantly watching for his coming. So last time as we looked into the parable, we mentioned, uh, talked about the Jewish culture in that sense. You know, we talked about Jewish, where marriages were arranged. We spoke about how what will happen. They will, the father will come together and they will begin to negotiate basically a price, a settlement for the bride based on three things that I mentioned. The father's wealth, the bride worth, and also the willing, the willingness as well. So that is a very important thing. And as we look into those, the situation here, we find out that while the bridegroom was preparing the house for, you know, for, for, for the bride and then to leave there, she would get reports, you know, of the progression as he was preparing the house before he come and take her. And sometimes it will take a year. They will be espoused. They will be to each other, but they will not be married. They will be committed to each other so the, the son can go and prepare a house for, for, for his bride. Quite interestingly, John, John 14, 2, 3 says this. My father's house has many rooms. If they were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me 
that you also may be where I am. So what's happening? The sons go and prepare a house in a father's house. And then he will come and take us. The things that we are here is that the bride never really know when the, uh, son, the, 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 the groom will come. You know, usually she, she won't know. So what was happening, the bridesmaids would have to trim their lamp, you know, the, the lamp that they could carry with them, and they would have to trim their lamp and just wait, you know, prepare the way for the groom to come. And most of the time, they will fall asleep. They will fall asleep. Now, the interesting thing, Jesus is not condemning the virgin because they fell asleep. That's not what he says. He's condemning the virgin, the unwise virgin, because they didn't have enough oil. Not enough oil. Now, we know that the bridegroom represents Jesus. And we know that the virgin represents the congregation. But what about the oil? The oil is the Holy Spirit. So we have believers in the church with the Holy Spirit, and we have believers in the church without the Holy Spirit. And that is what Jesus was all about. The foolish ones were familiar with Jesus, but there was no intimacy with him. They have religion, but no relationship. You see, Jesus is about relationship. It's not about religion. It's not about routine. That's not what Jesus is all about. It's about relationship. And when he was mentioning those virgins, the 51, the 50% of the virgin had relationship with Jesus. They had intimacy with Jesus. They walked with Jesus. While the foolish one, they didn't know him. They have the knowledge of Jesus, but they didn't know him personally. Listen, I have the knowledge of Boris Johnson. Bless him, he's awesome. I know who he is. I know what he's all about. But I don't have a relationship with Boris Johnson. Some people may say, thank God for that. To be honest, I don't have a relationship with him. And that's the same thing. Do you know that you can be married to your wife and not have a relationship with her? It's very important for us as believers to have a relationship with Jesus. I am still working on my relationship with Jesus. I still feel right now that I'm not that intimate with him. I want to be intimate to the point that he takes me with him. You know, like Enoch. Like Enoch. They didn't know him, the unwise one. So they're waiting for the bridegroom. They fell asleep. They heard a cry. They all wake up and they begin to trim the lamps. And they need more. And what's the unwise version do when they don't have enough? They go and ask those who are enough to give them some. <laughs> Listen, if the oil represents the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit cannot be transferred from person to person. It cannot be transferred from person to person. You have to be born again. You have to have this relationship to be able to have the Holy Spirit inside of you. I can't go to my wife and say, can I have your Holy Spirit for 10 minutes because I don't have enough. 
There's no transfer. And that was the reason they were so unwise and foolish. Because not only they didn't have enough oil, they thought that they could borrow oil from the wise one. Which is very interesting. Today, many people, many people are unprepared for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. They are unprepared for his return. Many people are unprepared for what's going to take place. They are unprepared for the rapture of the church. We need to be prepared. We need to be prepared. Some people will say that they tithe. You know, I'm a tither. I tithe 10%, 20%, 30%. Some people will say I'm baptized or part of a church. Do you know that they can still miss the rapture? They can still miss the rapture. No money, no church membership of that baptism can get you to heaven. The only way to get you to heaven is being born again and have the oil of the Holy Spirit in your life. That is the only way. Your intimate relationship will get you to heaven. Unprepared for the coming. Unprepared for the rapture. What is a rapture? What is a rapture of the church? As Jesus mentioned, the rapture can take place at any moment. As I'm speaking now, it could take place right now in front of our eyes. At any moment. Do you know the apostle of the early church? They were expected that Christ will return in their times because of the suffering that they were going through. They were expecting Jesus returning in their lifetime. They were expecting to be sudden and unexpected. I was having a conversation with someone and, and uh, they were asking me this question, what is the difference between the rapture and the return of Jesus? What is the difference between the two? And I said this very, very simply. In a rapture, people meet Jesus in the air. During the second coming, Jesus come down from heaven on earth with the saints. Two very specific events. They're not the same. The word rapture means the translation of people from earth to heaven or another location. As a matter of fact, it's not even a new experience. I mentioned about Enoch. You know, in the book of Genesis chapter 5, verse 18 to 24, they said that Enoch was a righteous man. His lifestyle, I mean, the way he lived his life was righteous before God. The way he walked was righteous. And he said that he walked with God for 300 years. Listen, that is level. That is level. Even in our Christian walk, our time we don't walk with Jesus. Our time we, we kind of wearing a little bit. He walked for 300 years with the Lord. And the Bible said that there was not after that because God took him. He did not experience death. He went straight to heaven without experiencing death. Because of his relationship with God, his intimacy with God for 300 years. Can you imagine spending 300 years walking with God? That's incredible. 300 years. 
is doing the right. In God's eyes, is righteous. In God's eyes, is righteous. Seeking God. Seeking God. There. Seeking God in the morning. Seeking God during the day. Seeking God in the evening. Seeking God during the night. Just want to be in God's presence. The Bible doesn't teach us that he has wife or children. As far as we're aware, we don't know. I don't think he has. Because there's nothing coming up after him. They said after 300 years, he took him. And if he had, I feel sorry for the wife. Elijah, another one. Also, he did not test other death as well, as he was taken from earth to heaven. As a matter of fact, he had a witness. Elisha, his disciples, saw the whole thing. You know, the Bible speaks, you know, that chariots, you know, chariots, you know, came and took him straight to heaven. So I'm telling you, this is the rapture is not a new event. It's not a new experience, you know. And we don't know whether there's been other unrecorded type of rapture for people that walk so much with the Lord that God just took them. So it is possible that God did that maybe in our lifetime as well. We don't know. It's not recorded. We only know what the Bible says. The Bible says, as far as I'm aware, Enoch and Elijah. You know, in this world, for millions of people have been trying to, to find a are basically have immortality. They want to live forever. You know, one of, one of the one of the research that has done at the moment is really trying to live forever to, to find anything. You know, you look at those in beauty, in that sense, all this 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 cream and this this portion that they're trying to find to to prolong life in that sense to live immortality. In a rapture, all the dead and living Christian will be translated immediately to meet the Lord in a cloud. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. Don't know whether we can put it on the screen. Um, um, I think I've got it um, on the scripture. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. It says this. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest your soul as other will have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with this word. Two things here that I actually want to point our attention before we go through the scripture in, the, in detail. Verse 13. 
But I, want, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's the first thing. Paul tells us not to be ignorant of the rapture. Not to be ignorant. And verse 18, he says this. Therefore, comfort one another with this word. So he gives us, first of all, to make sure that we have to be aware of the rapture, but secondly, to encourage one another with this word. I believe that the rapture is going to be one of the greatest events that's going to be taking place in this earth. We as believers, we will experience a reunion with Jesus. But people on earth are going to experience something completely different. As we experience ecstasy, they will experience chaos. As we experience joy, they will experience pain. As we experience peace, they will experience war. A very, very interesting um, uh, period. So, when we look at the rapture, you know, and Paul tells us not to be ignorant, it will be something that will be sudden. And it will take place during time where people will do their, no, they will go through their normal life. Like in the time of Noah. In the book of Matthew 24, 37 to 38, he says this. But as the day of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. They were doing normal stuff. Going to go, going to, sorry, going to, to, to work, getting married, going to the club. You know, today, this world has become very extremely selfish. I was driving um, on Saturday and during the week, and it's very hot. There's a lot of people outside and, and everywhere. But what I've seen, discovered is this. And, and it's quite interesting because unless you take a step back and look, you don't realize it. I would say pretty much 90, 80, 90% of people had a phone in their hands. And they're working with their phone. Some of the people just working that up, you know, doing some faces, taking pictures. There is that element of selfies. You know selfies, what it is? Take a picture of yourself. And there are some very professional selfies people here. The way they, they, they're moving the, 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 the face and the, the, the way the mouth, I can't do it. The way the mouth is moving, the position of the head, you know, even the whole body when they're taking the selfies. They are some extremely professional. And then those selfies, you're not keeping it in your house and everything, you know, as a souvenir when you went to a place. No. You got to tell the whole world how you look like in the sun with your shade, with your clothes. Sometimes people without clothes, but anyway, that's the way it is. Selfies. So you got on Instagram, you got TikTok, Facebook, and there's a little story, a little caption here as well. And people just do their normal things. Normal things. In the time of Noah, 
You know, the society was completely immoral, corrupt from the inside. And God has to deal with it. You know, it says this in the book of Genesis, the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 to 8. So for 120 years, God entrusted Noah with the secret of the incoming flood. For 2,000 years, God entrusted us with the knowledge of the rapture taking place. For 120 years, it took 120 years for Noah to build the ark in his garden. 120 years to build the ark. The Bible speaks he was living in Mesopotamia. So, I mean, in those days, there was no sea. So, he probably never knew what the sea looked like, what the ocean looked like at all. But he was instructed to build an ark. And he was, he had specific instruction. They said that this ark is twice the size for those who are into uh, boats or carry boats. You know, those who know the uh, history, British history, the HMS Victory boat is twice the size of this. If you haven't seen it, just have a look at it. It's, I've seen it. It's huge. And he said it's twice the size of it. He has no expertise. Let me tell you something. He has no expertise how to build this boat. But he built it with only his three sons. And during that time, he probably spoke to his friend about what is going to take place. And his friend probably mocked him for 120 years. Actually, the whole generation, the whole society that were living in those times, mocked Noah for 120 years until the flood came in. Him, his wife, his children, and his wife's children, plus the animal were saved. God said in 2 Timothy 3, 2, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unfaithful, unholy. That is the society we're in at the moment. And during that time, the rapture will take place. And it would be sudden. It would be sudden, instantaneous. That's why they say rapture, in a blink of an eye, just like that. So why is it going to take place? As we go back to the scripture again in um, the book of Thessalonians, chapter 4, 16. Number one, it says this, the Lord himself will descend from heaven. So that's what's going to take place. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. First Thessalonians 4, 16. And remember what I mentioned about Jesus preparing a house for us as well. So the house is ready. So when the house is ready in heaven, Jesus is going to come down and take us home. He says again, not only will descend from heaven, but it will descend with a shout. Listen, not everybody will hear the shout of God. Only the believers will hear the shout of God. You know, he said, my sheep shall know my voice. So only the shout will be heard by the believers. He said, with the voice of an archangel. So the angel, we are the voice and we will hear it. And he said with the trumpet of God. So all those sounds that we're hearing, only believers will be able to hear it. No one else. And he goes on to say, 
What's going to happen after that? Number five, the dead will, in Christ, will rise first. Not those who are alive. Those who died in Christ. Those born again who died in Christ through centuries, through millennium. God is going to raise them first. Their body. They are in heaven. Their soul is in heaven. But their body will rise. The bones will rise. And he said, then, number six, then those who are alive in, in Christ will rise. So there's an order. The dead in Christ rise first, then those who are still alive when the rapture takes place rise. And what's going to happen? In, and all I'm saying, all this, will take place in the blink of an eye. What's going to take place during that? There will be a transformation of our body. From an incorruptible body to an incorruptible body. This is what Paul called it. In the book of Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 51 to 53, it says this. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So the rapture is not just us going to heaven with Jesus. There is a transformation of our body. Our physical body cannot go to heaven. This is why when we die, only the soul spirit go, only the soul goes there. Because our physical body are built for this earth. Our flesh, bone, vein, everything just built for here. But what Jesus is doing is gonna rise up the people that are dead, their bones, you know. These are people that died for two thousand years. Their bones left. There's no flesh left. They're gonna rise up. And as they rise up, God's going to put in them a new body, a heavenly body that can be on earth and that can be in heaven, like Jesus' body. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, he had a different body. He had a body that can be on earth and he had a body that can be in heaven. And that's the body that Jesus is going to give us at the time of the rapture. A different body. And that is the rapture. Now, people on this earth are going to experience trauma. You can only imagine the amount of Christians living on this earth just disappearing in a blink of an eye. You know, you're tall, you're walking in your workplace, doing your account and everything. You're having a meeting with somebody. Suddenly, you close the letter and you're gone. What are they going to say? Where is it all? You know, you're driving with your car. Nicely driving, listening to your Christian music, you know, and then suddenly you disappear and the car keeps driving, just bumping to another car and creating an accident. If you're a pilot on a plane, oh, bless for those who are on a plane. If you're a pilot on a plane and the pilot and the co-pilot are Christian and the rapture takes place, they're gone. The plane is still on autopilot, but for how long? Who's on the plane that can actually fly the plane back? Can you imagine the chaos that will take place. There's Christian in every walk of area, everywhere. Christian are everywhere. 
So suddenly millions are just taken home. The economy, the system, the political economic system will begin to crumble. Because we've got Christian in the finance, we've got Christian in banks, we've got Christian lawyers, we've got Christian entertainers, we've got Christian sporting Christian. I mean, everything's gonna be chaos. And can you imagine the fear? Your family is gone and you're still here and you don't know what's going on. And that's what's going to take place. Now, to conclude this very quickly, there are different schools of thought about when it's going to take place. Remember, I mentioned to you that nobody knows the hour or the time of his coming. But there are people that believe that the rapture we could take place before what we call a seven years period of the tribulation. This is a seven years time when the Antichrist will come and reign for seven years and people believe that God will take his church before that period begins. There are those that also believe that the rapture will take place at the midpoint of those seven years in that sense. And are those who believe that the tribulation will take place after those seven years. Let me tell you something. Whether you believe when these raptures will be taking place, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. What it matters is our preparation for this. Our preparation. Preparing, be watchful, be ready. You know, the version, 50% of them knew they were ready. They were prepared. They put everything aside. And I'm not telling you that just, you know, go and live in a cave or go in a mountain in a forest and just hide there. No. Because we've got work to do here. We've got work to do here. We still have to do the things that we need to do. We still have to feed our families. We still have to help those who can help. But what I'm trying to say is, as Paul said, do not be ignorant. You've got to know about the rapture. You've got to do your research. You've got to understand what God is doing in the season. And you've got to know the time and the season that we're in. I believe the time is near. Paul believed that the time was near in his time. But I believe that we are getting close. We are getting very, very close. Now, this closure I'm talking about, it could take 5, 10, 17 years, 20 years. It may not be in our lifetime. It may be in our children's lifetime. But we have to prepare. We cannot stop preparing. And we cannot stop living because of the rapture. I've heard people that just left everything. One day, understood the rapture. They left their job. They left the, the way they're living. They sold their house. And they went to live in some places, in some community they created. And they lived there waiting, anticipating for this moment to come. But Jesus doesn't want us just to go and live somewhere and wait for the rapture to come. He wants us to be active wherever we are. Whatever we do, to still be active. What we do in our workplace is important. And sometimes it is not about telling somebody about the Bible. It just be who you are in Christ. Your, your, it's all just your attitude, just be in your workplace. Your smile, your enthusiasm, you know. That, that's enough. Some people don't need to know that you are a Christian. You don't have to tell him and put a poster in your head, I am a Christian. Your character will determine 
your love, your joy, your peace, your faithfulness, your goodness, your kindness, your self-control, your patience. Those are characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Find in the book of Galatians, we speak of the character. Your character alone will speak who you are, what you stand for. So when somebody do something to you, you don't reprimand me by punching them in the face because they punched you or they insulted you or anything. Even it is extremely tempting to do so. You've got to have this attitude waiting on the Lord and be the way God sent you to be. Why don't we stand? We spoke this morning about the rapture and how important it is to, to prepare. One of the things that the Lord has spoken to my heart this week as we are in this time also of prayer and fasting, he said to me to tell your church, be the light of this world. I believe that each one of us has something to give to someone. And I want to pray this morning. For those who are here and those who are online, they begin to, if you don't know what you have to give, begin to ask the Lord, Lord, what can I give to this world? What is it that I can do? I can't preach. I can't sing. I can't do this. But there's a gift in you. There's a talent in you. There's an ability in you that God wants to use. He wants to unlock something inside of you. And Forgive me at all, but I keep seeing your name coming through again. And I can see that the Lord wants to unlock a gift, a talent, which is inside of you. You may know this talent already. And you may not quite sure how to use it, how to do it. But the Lord tell me, me to tell you, I will show you. I will show you how to use what I am giving you. I will show you how to use what I am giving you because I am the Lord your God and I love you. I've got great plan for you. And he's telling me to tell you again, tell her, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. I am going to move you from places to places and I will anoint you wherever you go. Just trust me and hear my voice. Father, I just want to thank you so much for your word this morning. I thank you, Lord, for really touching our heart and showing us where you want us to be. Lord, you call us to be the soul of this earth and the light of this world. And Lord, we pray and humble ourselves before you this morning. Lord, as we say, use us. In whatever capacity you want to use us, Lord, use us. Lord, Somebody said to me, but I cannot preach. I cannot share. I said, yes, but I've put in you many other talents that are much greater than just be standing here and preaching the word. And I will show you those talents. Just open your heart to me and I will show you greater things, mighty things that you do not know. And I will expand your land. I will expand your territory. He said to me to tell to the whole church, those are online and this, ask Ask me, ask me whatever you need and I will give it to you. That is the word that is speaking to me right now. So I want us to begin to ask the Lord, what is it that you want from me? 
What is it that you want from the Lord? Begin to ask him. Those are online, begin to ask him. Those are here, begin to ask him. Whatever it is that you want for the Lord, he said, ask me and I shall give it to you. Ask me and I shall give it to you. For I am the Lord your God. I am your provider. I am your source. And I am your father. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning. We raise our hand before you. And Lord, whatever we ask in our hearts, I know we will receive it. Because you said so. Your word says so. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.